something is wrong, and it's time to stand up. You are listening to the John A. Show. Trust no one. Trust no one. Trust no one. You found it. You're here. You're headlong down the runaway train that is the Anomic Age. I'm your host, John Age. Happy to be back with you again in the not-so-wee hours of the PM today. we got a great guest coming up. We're going to talk the market, silver, and the economy, and so much more with Chris Marcus. But before we get into that, please check out anomicage.com if you've not already done so. Like all the likes, subscribe to all the subscriptions. You can follow me on all the social media links that I'm still on. They're available there at the top. If you scroll down to the bottom there, you can sign up for the free newsletter, free iPhone app, free Android app. And, of course, if you really like my content and want to help out, paypal.me forward slash anomicage and patreon.com forward slash anomicage as well. You can find those links in the description of whatever you happen to be listening to and or watching this on. Without further ado, Chris Marcus is a silver analyst, founder of Arcadia Economics, and author of the book, The Big Silver Short. That's going to be ArcadiaEconomics.com. You can see that in the show links as well. His background includes 11 years on Wall Street, an NBA from Wharton, and seven years trading equity options. Oh, man, this is another word. Subsequent International Group. You'll correct me on that in a minute, Marcus. As a specialist on the New York Stock Exchange. Marcus, thank you so much for being with us on the show. Thanks, John. I appreciate you having me on your show again. Always fun to talk about the interesting things happening in the economy and the silver market. So it's great to be here and nice talking with you. Indeed, man. I'm so happy to talk to you again. I always wish it was under better circumstances, but the markets, uh, I was sort of joking before we really got going here. I mean, if you listen to the mainstream media, we're doing great. Just fabulous. Everything's improving. Everybody's back to work. It's it's going just great as long as you don't really look at the numbers all that much. It's great. Well, that is unfortunately what the central bankers say, the politicians. You have Jerome Powell, Janet Yellen, Joe Biden – basically telling people that the economy's great, except for the Putin price hike, but that things are still normal while you see the stock market collapsing rather predictably when you think about what was going to happen when you raise rates, especially when you raise rates as aggressively as the Fed has done, which has surprised most. I mean, a lot of us didn't think they'd ever even bother to try raising rates. Sure enough, they jacked them up even faster than expected, and you see a similar effect to what happened in 2008. Mm-hmm. Higher interest rates starts bringing down the stock market. The Nasdaq down about 30% since its November highs. All the stock market's getting clobbered. Now you're pulling money away from the mortgage market. You're seeing the mortgage rates shoot up. And really the circumstances that I studied after living through the housing bubble, what caused this, what led this to happen, is that when you give a lot of easy money, it's feels natural then, but when you pull it away, you get the effect. In 2008, 2007, that was the housing bubble popping, and you're seeing a similar pattern now, unfortunately. So 
from the financial perspective, it's not not the easiest times that the Fed is leaving people with right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know really how to describe it. You did a great, great job there, but I mean, it's kind of like you're on borrowed time. You're sort of in this in this wonderland of everything's great. Look, we got all this money, and and the interest rates are so low. Look, we can buy, we can afford this house, or we can afford this car, and and all these different commodities that I think you know Joe Sixpack or, or Jane Sixpack or what have you is out there going, yeah, look, things are okay, and now, like you said, that interest rate's starting to climb back up, and. It's not necessarily generational, but there's a lot of people that really have have become so accustomed to that artificial low, they just kind of they don't know what it's like, and it's like, oh man, it's almost like shock. Like, oh, you mean this is really how much this thing costs? Like, what the devil's going on here? Yeah, and unfortunately, Jerome Powell seems to be one of the ones that's caught in that position where it's great if you keep printing money, but now that you see inflation soaring. I mean, they, they talk about a 2% mandate. We're up CPI, which is a generous calculation, is up at 8 9% a month. And that's even, that, if you actually use the same formula we had back in 1980, it's about the same level. Mm-hmm. And we saw people worried about stagflation then. They're worried about it. Now. And this is, last CPI reading still came up higher than the previous month. And that's even after the first couple of rate hikes. And when you have inflation at 8%, possibly substantially higher than that, yet the central bank is talking about raising interest rates to a moderately neutral somewhere in the threes, well, that, that's not too good if you're, if you're getting 3% interest, but the cost of everything you're buying is going up 8%. I, I don't know that that's going to stop this. And they say, well, it's COVID's fault. It's the supply chain's fault. there's always something happening (laughs) if it never rains we'll be in great shape but if you live in a place where it rains all the time you have a problem and that's unfortunately not the kind of thing that the fed prepares against so that's why as much as possible i think it's wise for people to at least understand what's happening why it's happening and what's going to happen next even if it's unfortunately not a bunch of people really trying to make things much easier for them well, what do you think is the main causal factor, if you will? Because so much of this, I mean, you mentioned a little bit of this is pretty spot on where I think they've intentionally fouled up the economy. They've intentionally brought in the COVID and said, oh, you can't work or you can't open your business and, and you've got to shut down your, your meat producing, your, your whatever, and all these different production angles. And then we've got almost 100 mysterious fires, quote unquote, at at food processing plants all over the world, and or particularly here in the States, not necessarily all over the world. But, I mean, there's so much of this that's sort of stacking up and stacking up, and they're like, what the... You know, if they were if they were trying to do this, they couldn't do a much better job. I mean, I'll play devil's advocate. They're not attempting to crash the economy and bring everybody into some communist uh, dictatorship. But, man, if they were trying to, they're doing a pretty good job. I mean, what do you think is, is really behind all this? Well, it sure does feel that way. And when you look at the history of wars and what the banking houses do, often funding both sides of the war, now we have a war that's going on. It's been going on for a couple of months. It's created a lot of problems. Joe Biden's administration plays sanctions that have backfired as, as about as much as possible economically. You can see the ruble initially got blown out, but it's stronger than before. Now Russia is putting 
they put a temporary gold backing behind it. Who knows what they're planning next? They're they're also uh, I saw the latest news. They're moving up the launch of their own central bank digital currency. They're talking about putting other commodities behind it. They're telling Europe, well, if 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 you want to follow the the U.S. on this one, you're not going to get any gas. So there are some legitimate issues happening now that it's like we've seen building and the U.S. was bullying around countries for decade after decade, but now coming to a head and then you start to read these reports of Europe saying, well, we want to follow the sanctions, but we'll buy a little gas. I saw one of their politicians was saying, well, they were going to start buying the gas because they don't want Putin selling it to someone worse. So it's, it's like they're doing these sanctions, but realizing that it doesn't work as effectively when you're not in a position of strength. And that's really what you could have seen if you looked far far enough ahead coming out of the housing bubble when you had a crisis created by too much debt and leverage. You pile more on back then. You do it for a decade. And, you know, again, when the, the easy money is flowing, it's easy to mass these things over and people feel like, hey, times are normal. Yet now we're seeing as the money's being pulled away, and there's a new war, and there's the effects of this pandemic, and there's the already fragile supply chain, and there's the things that these guys are doing on top of it. You can see some of what's coming down the chute here. Why do you think these these restrictions are really backfiring? I mean, to me, I mean, just looking at it, not from your economic perspective, but it looks like to me, like, yo, Russia's kind of got their stuff like they've got their own gas they seem to be making enough food at least for their people like they're not really as reliant on all these imports as the u.s is i mean i've, I've heard this said many times i think when when reagan first took office like early 80s there we were a credit nation and now we're a debtor nation so we were at this position of strength now we're at that position of weakness i mean is it just that simplistic or is it more complicated as to why none of these uh, restrictions are really helping our situation and indeed kind of backfiring on us. Well, it goes back to the basic premise that if you do, if you, if you burn all, let, let's say you, you took everything you own and your car, your house, and you just start smashing it with a sledgehammer and burned it to the ground. You know, if you do that, you're not going to get a good economic at, outcomes. And that's essentially what these policies have done to the U S economy. And it, they keep, melting down asset bubbles that are created by printed money, tack more on there, it's not surprising what's going to happen. And in the end, everything, the solution is to just borrow more and print more money. You have Joe Biden. Now, They the, the latest plan, they were trying to give out rebate cards to help people pay for gasoline. So rebate cards, that are going to, how are they going to pay for those? Well, they're either going to borrow more debt or print more money. So they're fighting inflation with more inflation, although it was ironic that apparently they couldn't get enough cards because of the chip shortage. So you're seeing all of these factors compound on top of each other now. Unfortunately, we know politics, the way that script usually goes is blame it on the last guy or hope you get out of office before it blows up so people don't associate it with your watch. Mm -hmm. But while... You can con some people with that. I think the rest of the world's gotten tired of it. They got tired of making things, sending it and getting IOUs that continue to pile up. 
and you, you just see more money. They're, they're sending billions. Joe Biden, it's like he's a gun runner now, sending weapons left and right to administrations that have a lot of ties that a lot of people think are puppet shadow governments of the U.S. We see NATO building up in this divisiveness, getting countries to take sides. I also read reports of CIA training operations in Ukraine teaching people how to hate and kill Russians. So a lot of stuff that has been going on that they don't talk about yet people who are on the other side of it understandably don't like. And right now Russia is putting commodities and gold behind their currency and the U.S. is putting Jerome Powell, who couldn't see inflation, Janet Yellen, who former Fed chairwoman, who doesn't see any signs of recession. Business leaders are seeing it. The people who have their money saved in this 401k stock market, they're feeling it. And it's almost as if some I think some of these statements they're making now, they're going to go down in that category of Ben Bernanke talking about how subprime was contained as the thing was melting down. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the crazy thing that I keep looking at this sort of Ukraine angle and how it all connects to the to the economics. And I keep seeing similarities if you look back at. At Vietnam or even when we got into the Middle East in the late 70s, early 80s, where it's like we weren't really there. It was kind of a proxy war, which turned into a real war, but wasn't really a sanctioned war. And we just drug it out for 10 years. I mean, the same thing, like you mentioned, with the CIA coming in and, and training rebel groups. I mean, isn't that how the Al Qaeda started? I mean, like, and this thing, like you mentioned, also with the, the arms, that sounds a lot like Iran-Contra. But I mean, it's not new. It's just kind of old hat. They just keep doing the same playbook, and I guess the American people or uh, the global citizenry at this point in the game is just kind of like, oh, that's that's fine. I'm like, no, it's it's disastrous. Did you not learn from Vietnam and the Middle East? And the just, we know where this is headed. Except now, I, I think our currency is worth next to nothing. And I mean, like you said, we're just borrowing more, borrowing more, and eventually. The, you know, to, to borrow a very southern phrase, the, the chickens are going to come home to roost here. It's not going to be good. Well, it does appear as if we're nearing that point. And, and yeah, you laid it out pretty clearly. You keep doing these policies long enough, and I, I think people on the other side of them can't be feeling good. I, I've left the, the United States twice, which growing up I never anticipated I would, but it you see from being inside Wall Street how things work. Then you start to realize, well, some of these political slogans, hey, maybe they're not quite as genuine as we were told. We have, uh, what's his name, Donald Rumsfeld, who lost $2.3 trillion, $2 trillion the night before September 11th. Hmm. Now he comes yeah. and goes. He's gone. We never get any answers. We get different pushes. We get Joe Biden, who seems like he's from the Clinton side. And I think most people, especially younger people, you know, they're, they're used. We're, we're all used to what we're living through. Yet, if you do look back through history and say, all right, well, where did some of these things come from? What what is this dollar? Yeah. Well, the last time we had a definition of the dollar, it was a measure of gold. It was supposed to be backed by gold. So I get it. People are used to the dollar system. And for the most part, they they go, they do their job. They have some money saved. You buy food and to some degree it works, but you see the flaw in there and you see how this flaw has happened repeatedly throughout history. And then 
you look ahead of where that's going, and, it, and it's certainly not a good outcome, especially as other countries now are not just seeing it, but actually standing up against it, which is leaving me wondering if we're close to some sort of resolution to that, whether it's some sort of reset or how that plays out, but you still have the debt there. You still have the Fed who, you know, maybe they'll raise another 75 basis points. Maybe they'll raise throughout the end of the year. But if people think what they've seen in the stock market or the mortgage market over the last couple of months was noticeable, then you're going to get more of that. And at some point, you'll have more damage than they did in 2008. And my guess is that the only thing they ultimately do is turn the hoses back on. So it's seems like it's come to a head at this point. And now you just try and pay attention and make your decisions day by day, which isn't always financial, but where you're living, how you're doing things, where your sources of income are, which are unfortunately different from what these political leaders tell you to be prepared for. But that's why I think it's certainly a wise time to be educating yourself, seeing what's going on, and at least understanding the shifts that are happening now. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, I don't know if it's the good or bad thing. I've kind of said before, our greatest strength and our greatest weakness is how easily we adapt. We can adapt to the most horrible conditions and the best in the same time. But I've even seen not conspiracy at all, just mainline Fox News kind of blue-blooded Republicans lately that are just saying, you know, I'm taking my money out of the, the market. I'm taking my money out of this retirement and just basically doing something with it. I don't know what. It's not going to be this because they see the, the diminishing results. And I think they at least have, you know, some idea what's coming. <laughs> and the same thing with Social Security. I mean, I don't think I'm going to get a dime of that. But, I mean, I think even that generation is kind of like – I don't know if it's the the hundredth monkey thing or what. They can they can feel a disturbance in the force. You know, I'll, I'll be be very elementary about it. They can feel something. So I think just that is going to cause some real ripples in the the proverbial economic pond, if nothing else. You would think so, and I think it's challenging for people, especially on the gold and silver side, where we've seen perhaps mixed degrees of a reflection in the price there. Now, you know, I'm a big silver advocate, I guess, as you can see with my backdrop here. And silver is still about half of its 1980 high versus gold. Still above $1,800, so not too far off from its all-time high. Again, a lot of the pricing is done in paper. So I would suggest if you had any sort of more supply and demand-based system, you'd probably see both of those metals a bit higher. I think that's ultimately going to happen. And perhaps for the reasons that you're mentioning, where people can see that they're being lied to. They're, they can see they're being told two plus two equals negative four. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're seeing that something's off because here's Jerome Powell who's saying, oh, it's transitory. We're going to raise rates. Doesn't see any signs. I mean, it's, you know, when they see the stock market, that's when they notice. And I think these things historically have gone on until people actually feel the money impact and they're seeing it from their investments, and they're seeing the statements that these guys have said don't match up. They're also seeing Joe Biden, some of the things he's doing with inflation not adding up either. And I think it's in that 
that phase where, yeah, a lot of the people who've been studying gold and silver for a while, yeah, they saw this coming. We're saying, all right, let me know when it moves. But there's a lot of people who are just beginning to go through that thought process now of saying, okay, well, something's not adding up here. This is starting to remind me of 2008. Now, what do I do? And perhaps the degree to which that sinks in will tell a lot about the pace of things going forward from here. Yeah, I mean, I kind of hope that we see more of these, I want to say, like cathartic moments like, yo, this is wrong. We got to, we got to, I don't, I won't necessarily abandon ship, but we got to do something. I feel like so many people are on that proverbial Titanic and the the captain saying, we're going to be fine while the ship's breaking apart and separating and there's still people on the dance floor. And I mean, I don't know, man, what was your, I mean, you mentioned leaving the U.S. twice here and in your bio there, getting out of the Wall Street scam. What was your awakening moment that sort of caused caused these different cathartic things in your own life, if you don't mind me asking? Well, certainly being on a trading floor while this was unraveling in 2007, 2008, and then thinking, all right, I've just gone to business school, was working on a trading floor. So shouldn't I have had the background to see this coming? But, you know, I was listening to the Wall Street side of the story. So once I started studying the guys who had seen this in advance, which was basically getting at the credit cycle, which ensured if you print money, it's going to feel great. Take away the money and you can't pay for things. It feels less great. So yeah, that was about 10, 12 years ago, certainly seeing the way some of the governments in the U.S. or in Canada or Australia have treated their people in the last two years has been hard to watch seeing the inflation that I thought was going to come. Okay. It took a bit longer than I expected, but it's here now. Then studying gold and silver, seeing continued criminal behavior in the gold and silver markets. Yet, even though the JP Morgan gets fine, they have a couple other guys ongoing for Rico charges. I have a channel where we sit there and look at the silver market every day and see things that are clearly, fraudulent, criminal, whatever word you want to use, it, if you know about it, at least you say, okay, well, the rules of the game are a little different than I was told here, yet the CFTC, the regulators, they seem more likely to be participating in it or getting a slice of the pie rather than doing something about it. So, you know, those things uh, get tiring after a while, and I understand everyone's situation is different. I chose to go somewhere else and see what it was like living in a different place where you're not harassed as much by your home government, which, again, is certainly an unfortunate thing that many people are living through right now. I mean, what's it like on the inside, so to speak? I mean, you, you've worked alongside so many of these people because, I mean, I haven't had any interactions like you have, but just talking to to average Joe banker, average Joe, I work at whatever investment place, you know, like – I, I sort of hesitate to get into the real conversations with them because they don't seem to either know it or want to know it. It's kind of like you're you're shining the light on the the Wizard of Oz, and they're like, "Oh, don't tell me about that. It's really a big rigged racket. And it's a big scam." Like, do they know that on the inside, or is it just sort of this this higher echelon that knows it, and they've got their own golden parachute, you know, like off 
in, in a in an island of the Caribbean and the you know Australia. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, is there some sort of level where they get it and they're just sort of going through the motions to get the benefits and insurance or what? I mean, I don't know. I think that's a fair way of describing it because there's. Clearly, someone at the top who's orchestrating this thing. I don't think it's all a complete accident. And, you know, now it's nice with the way you have a lot of different YouTube channels, information sources of honest people. You can catch these guys lying plenty. So with that said, my experience when I was actually on the trading floor, there was a degree to which I think some people felt things were off. But it's like, hey, you know, as long as I get my next bonus and the wife's happy, the income's good. Yeah, and seem to want to know more. And frankly, I can understand that it, it can be a bit overwhelming to accept at times. Although, at least from my perspective, I thought, all right, well, let's see what happened that caused this housing bubble to implode. And if there's anything you can learn to avoid being in the way the next time it comes through, that was what I attempted to do. And hopefully will have me prepared well through this one. Yeah. Well, it's definitely not an advice show, but what sort of random information would you give people? I mean, I know silver is is where your interest lies. Is that sort of the best way to go as far as, I mean, I don't have one, but maybe somebody. They've got that great 401k. They're all set up, wink, wink. It's all going to be all right. What should I do? You know, I, I wish I were that guy sometimes, but not so much. I don't believe. Well... I think silver can be a part of it. Certainly, I've gone over-aggressively on silver at times. I mean, my belief is you look at the supply and demand and add on the money printing, and it seems like a situation that's going to break. I continue to wonder if we'll see some sort of reset, which is traditionally what happens when these things get this far out of control. You know, if you had a large amount of money in the stock market, certainly seeing what's coming and with more interest rate hikes, that would be the types of things that I would begin thinking about. Although just uh, accepting what is rather than what we thought or what we were told is really the starting point for any of these things. Everyone's situation is going to be different. Maybe someone has a couple million dollars saved and mixing some silver in there is the right thing for them to do. Maybe someone is in debt and just figuring out, okay, how do I create an income going forward? I see the world's going to change. Maybe some of these corporations are going to get clobbered, but there's certainly plenty of issues out there that are happening. So I think certainly a great investment can be in yourself or figuring out different ways of producing business income. Um, and really just considering that things are changing quickly and accounting for that, perhaps having savings is a good time to be doing that and just being prepared for some of these things you see coming through. And then also balancing that with just being present and wherever you're at, okay, stocks are going to go up or down, but making sure you appreciate, all right, well, things are good today. You can do what you need. And just spending some time thinking and reflecting on that, I think, helps to deal with the overwhelm at the same time. Yeah, I know you mentioned that the the silver market, and I'm sure the gold is in the same ballpark here, is, is very much, I don't want to say rigged, but I'm going to say rigged. <laughs> like, 
how is it that they're doing this this massive manipulation? I mean, I mean, I'm sort of thinking uh, that old school biblical where they've got their thumb on the scale and oh look how heavy this silver is when it's really not. But I mean, that's that's very simplistic because you know today it's all kind of ones and zeros on on all sorts of machines. So there's nothing um, all that human about it that much anymore. What's it? What's the rigging all being drummed up by, so to speak? Well, the whole thing is priced in paper, and the actual silver that comes from out of the mine and goes into electronics, you know, that never actually goes through the COMEX, yet somehow the COMEX, where it's priced in paper and an infinite supply of paper, so you have a finite amount of metal, but you can write as many paper contracts as you want. So imagine, analogously, if you had... 100 million shares of some stock, but people could short a billion shares. I mean, if you could just keep driving it lower, that's essentially what's been happening in gold and silver, and which leaves a, an environment that can be heavily distorted. There's been plenty of banks fined. There's a lot of information that's come out about it, and we'll see how that evolves. I mean, you're you're starting to knock silver production offline. The numbers show that we're already been in a deficit the last couple of years. And then as inflation is soaring, what's going to happen when the Fed raises or starts lowering rates again? Mm-hmm. So at some point, you know, we've seen the investment demand pick up, but there's already a bit of a gap going forward. I guess the degree to which that intensifies and how long that takes will determine when some of this is unraveled. But at the end, you have this ever-expanding currency, which on pause for now, but certainly seems like more of that coming. So, I mean, one of the big factors is that they're not, they're not mining enough silver. I mean, is that what I'm reading from you? Well, it shows us being in a deficit the last couple of years, especially with the rising silver demand in the last two years. So... We've had a deficit, and mm-hmm. certainly with the price on the lower side and inflation costs going up, the margin for the miners, it's, it's a lot smaller now. So there's not a lot of easy projects to find as it is, and most of them aren't economic. So it's not like people are saying, hey, let me go start a new operation, getting more silver out of the ground at the same time that you see a world that is at least attempting to go electronic and more green and pile on solar panels and growing industrial use. So there's a growing gap where the metal is coming from. Perhaps some degree of mystery, yet we see the investment stockpiles ever since that silver squeeze weekend in 2000, February of 2021. We've seen metal been bleeding out of there. It's not a rush to the doors yet, but that's where the I would say that that in itself wouldn't be ideal, but the fact that the Fed has been running a hyperinflation campaign, again, put on pause for now, but certainly it seems headed towards more of that. That's why I turned to silver and a lot of other people have as well recently. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a kind of a consorted effort to, to, to push people away from, from gold and silver. It's like, oh, that's not doing anything. Don't worry about it. It's not doing anything. It's still low. You can still buy it for 30 bucks or what have you an ounce. And I don't know if – I hope people are not buying the hype because I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, the supposed end game is going to look like if it's going to be one of those 
you know, everybody always talks about, oh, you're going to wake up one day and everything's, you're not going to have any money in the bank and all your cars are going to be cut off. And, you know, the, the ultimate doomsday scenario minus the big atomic bomb, I guess. But, I mean, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I certainly hope that people are are doing their due diligence and at least at least saving some sort of coinage, gold, silver, or something along those lines to, to sort of fortify their proverbial nest egg, if you will. I don't know. Yeah, we certainly hope it doesn't get there. I've seen in the last week videos documenting bank runs in China. I try to be careful because I know there's a lot of footage that people throw out on YouTube these days where designed to give the appearance of something other than what it is, but it sure looks like a lot of people sitting online outside of the banks. Again, you just pray that it doesn't get to that point here in uh, the U.S. or in other countries around the globe, but certainly just a good time to be getting prepared and paying attention to what paying attention to what's going on and not just accepting the stock answer from Jerome Powell and Janet Yellen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talked about this a little bit before we got started because it was a similar video I saw that I didn't I didn't. Uh... Share. I was I was kind of waiting for the everything to come back. I was like, all right, this looks legit. It looked like a trucker. He said he was somewhere on the East Coast. And like, look, I, I got some, some diesel from this farm. I'm going to try to just go park my rig and get back home. But he was he was intimating that there was a lot of other truckers in that same uh, handbasket, if you will. <laughs> and a lot of these big truck stops were out of gas or uh, not having what they needed and so forth and so on. So, I mean, I guess... You know, I'm kind of wondering what's it going to take for the people to realize the that big handbasket we're all in. Is it going to really be, you know, 1920s Germany where everybody's wheelbarrow and money to the store to get a loaf of bread? Or is it just, you know, I mean, that's kind of what I think it is. I think in the U.S. everybody's so so just accustomed to what we have. Even like the most poor in this country don't even hold a candle to the poverty you see in India or in these, these other countries. So, I mean, I think it might take that like, Oh gee, honey, like we can't get the, the Doritos. Oh, we can't get the, what have you. I mean, I don't know. We're not seeing that here yet. Thankfully. I feel like we're seeing a lot of just, I think like inconvenient shortages of things. I mean, I think this was true during the COVID um, incident where you saw a lot, you know, me personally, it was it was some sort of random refrigerator part. It took forever to get here. I was like, what in the world? Like three or four freaking weeks to get our, you know, some little module that, that keeps the, the door working right or something silly. But, I mean, I think that has sort of become more acceptable now, but not yet. You know, that final frontier where, oh, we can't get, can't get the chips. We can't get the beer. We can't, all oh, this just Westworld stuff, you know, Western problems, so to speak. I don't know. I don't know where I'm really going with that. I just thought, hopefully we're not going to well, see that. I think they're natural concerns because we're hearing a lot of reports and from credible sources of documenting government actions, whether they're destroying farming products or the other things that are suggested out there. Uh, on the other hand, I think there's some degree to which the human nature is built to continue that instinct to survive. And I think about how long we've grown food for and, you know, you, you just, you hope it doesn't end up in a situation where, where people are without the food and then you get, you see what's happening with Russia where they're taking resources off. And I guess governments can be powerful in breaking things, but 
Uh, I like to think that we'll be able to figure these things out, but certainly it's it's unfortunate when you just see how much energy is being used towards making life harder for the people that these guys are swearing an oath to protect and represent. Yeah, I mean, the the Russia thing is another one I just wanted to take on because it seems like Putin's doing everything he can to end up getting assassinated. I mean, he's doing, you know, the, the Gaddafi and the uh, Saddam Hussein stuff where he's going to start backing his his currency with gold. And, I mean, those those two names are just the, the two that popped in my head. I think there's a litany of other leaders that decided, hey, I'm going to go with gold. And then all of a sudden an uprising happened and they were killed or uh, a rebel group came in and they were killed or whatever um, Hillary Clinton said. We came, we saw he died and, you know, the graphic footages of footage of Gaddafi and all sorts of dismemberment. But I don't know. I hope that's not going on. I hope it's not going to take place. I don't really want to see that happen to anybody. But I fear if he, if he keeps back in gold and, say, and staying... Um, sustainable he's staying kind of like he's thumbing his nose at the whole thing like i don't need you guys thinking oil i'm fine you know i don't need your whatever putin's try or whatever uh freudian slip there whatever biden's trying to threaten him with he's just kind of going yeah whatever <laughs> that is the interesting part where we saw in my opinion the u.s government be pretty aggressive i mean we have the weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist so we've seen a lot of that policy for a long time and like you point out, some of the ones you mentioned, gold, didn't stay around too much longer, which is what makes it pretty interesting seeing what Putin and some other leaders are doing now, standing up and seemingly not very afraid of the U.S. policy anymore. So it's it's going to be quite a dynamic to watch to see how that resolves, especially with Russia and China buying a lot of gold, China in particular. And you wonder when we're going to get that last card flipped, uh, see how this gets resolved going forward. Certainly in my lifetime, the most to which I think it's been possible for other countries to be able to even feel that they could stand up to this because the U.S. certainly looks very vulnerable economically. Yeah, I mean, I think economically is the key there because I think uh, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance where a lot of... uh Old school people, baby boomers, if you will, are like, oh, we're still the, you know, the the biggest cock in the hen house, so to speak. We're fine militarily. We're, you know, I'm like, man, that's that sounds good, but I fear economically is our is our soft spot that that we're not really looking at. That usually seems to be how these things go, where you can get away with a lot, but when the money runs out, that's when people notice. I think that's when people finally accepted. Wait, maybe the Fed didn't have it under control last time. Wish wish it didn't have to be that way, but it seems like that's what's happening again now. And uh, at least being able to point out what's happening so that people can make the best preparations possible. It's, it's tragic to see, especially to people who are on a fixed income. If they bought gold and silver to hedge against the inflation, which they rightly saw was coming, and then the government just lets the banks continue to hammer around the markets um so it's it's unfortunate when you see all these things coming but at least being aware so you can begin to do something about it yeah i mean i think that's how the the fall of russia kind of took place in the first place it was a big uh economic 
front. It wasn't really a military action that caused the Berlin Wall to fall and you know all that Gorbachev, Reagan, fun stuff from the 80s. I mean, I think that was kind of the crux of the matter was the money. Yeah, this is traditionally how it's gone, and that's why it seems like it's coming to a head now. The Fed's doing repos, reverse repos. Looks like the thing's ready to explode on any given day. We've seen some big days with dislocations in the markets, and again, just certainly reminds me a lot of what, what I lived through in 2008 on the trading floor as well. What do you think this is going to look like? I know your, your crystal ball is not working so well, but what do you think this is going to look like for just the average American out there who's, I don't know, nine to five in it at the grocery store or working at a factory or, you know, they're living paycheck to paycheck. So many of Americans, I think, are, which is going to be a, a catastrophe, I feel like, if things really continue down this trajectory of, you know, like a box of cereal for 10 bucks or whatever and gas for, what are we looking at, six, seven bucks an hour? I don't know. Let me put it like this. I think it will look different. For a lot of people, the way their life consists of now, it will be different, which doesn't necessarily mean it has to be an Armageddon or, or the end of the world. When I started seeing this in 2011, left Wall Street in 2012, you know, it took a while to figure out how to get accustomed outside of working for a corporation. For some people who are more entrepreneurial, it's a bit more of a natural process. And there were times where I, I, my, my family was, a, was of help or there were different places I stayed as I figured things out. So maybe the job you've been working for for the last 20 years, maybe that will continue to be there. And if it's something you enjoy doing, then great. But just accepting that there's also some degree of what you can do now. I mean, maybe it's the best thing to continue to go to your job. Or if there's something else where you're like, hey, with what I see happening, here's something that's really going to be in need. I have an interest there. Start get to know people. Or you don't I think a lot of people are often feel trapped. I certainly did in that corporate model where you're supposed to do something for infinity. Mm-hmm. And perhaps some of the things that we'll be doing change. Maybe you'll move in with a family member for a while if you, if your source of income isn't there. But saying, all right, that's okay, and you know, making the best of that. Hey, being grateful that you have somewhere to go, and you know, or if you're able to help someone else out, or if someone has a business, you know, there's there's going to be certain areas that are thriving. Yeah, and I think being flexible. You know, and that's an adjustment. That's something I focus on each day, not thinking too far ahead, because you hear some of these things and they are concerning. Yet right now, just being present of what we're doing and making the best decisions you can. And I think that will get us a lot farther than we often imagine. So that's that's really the first thing I do, even before silver or anything else. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it there. I think it's just that ability to adapt. That can we just improvise, adapt, and overcome? You know, you might have to move in with, with the family again for a couple weeks or months or what have you. But I think it'll work out. I hope. <laughs> well, we made it through 2008. You've made it through everything else that you've gone through in your life. Yeah. We're here, and uh, again. Nice to think about what what the world could be like if we were using all this energy a bit more productively, but hopefully this was at least helpful in terms of pointing out the things that are happening and 
at least in a digestible way where you can start to think about how to respond to that. And I think the COVID fiasco, if there's any one thing that came out of that, I think a lot of people just kind of realized, hey, I could do this from home or I don't have to do this at all. Forget this. I can do something totally different and still spend time with my family and the people that matter to me. So I think that's another big one. Well, one more question, I think, before you got to go, I'm sure, is this whole crypto thing. I'm no expert on it. You might not be either, but I see so much of this in the media and so much of this. I can't tell if it's if it's contrived in a good way, like this is this is good or contrived in that bait at the end of the hook way or contrived in it's legitimate, but they're just suppressing it, controlling it and otherwise doing the same stinking thing they do with the Wall Street and the same stinking thing they do with the metals market. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I know that's a big ball of wax out there, but. Well, it certainly has been quite a sell off. And I by no means am a crypto expert. I've thought the idea of blockchain makes sense, where if you have any sort of currency accounting where you can't have Don Rumsfeld accidentally lose $3 trillion or <laughs> money doesn't go missing as much, certainly that would be good. Yet, I mean, I think there are places where Bitcoin is being used, but certainly at a time where we could use some currency stability, it's it's not being used. So if to the if you say think of it as a startup to a degree that has potential, similar the payment systems we have, whether it's a Swift system or similar to what you use behind the cryptology behind a Visa or a Mastercard. I don't. I, I think there's, you know, you're a little bit limited if you're going to just a complete metal system where. You know, if you want to buy something online, how are you slicing off an ounce of your silver? So mm -hmm. I think there's a room for some of the technology. What makes me feel a little cautious is that, all right, how do you actually value that? Was it, you know, we've seen quite a range. And just to say, well, it's better than the dollar. I mean, the central banks, they're talking about making their own cryptocurrencies. So the idea behind some of these could be good, yet you see... A lot of different ones popping up and then on you know you have the central banks who who knows what the heck they're going to do they talk about it do they have their own so not an easy field and i would just caution people to invest responsibly in the cryptos um at least to me if you're going to get involved make sure you can at least understand the business case behind it what is this token specifically going to do what what problem is it going to address rather than just saying, oh, well, because Jay-Z owns it now or LeBron's got some piling on in. I find that's usually where things get in trouble, perhaps similar to the Internet stocks. There were some legitimate companies in there, but just because something had a website doesn't necessarily mean that it's a great business model that's going to be a profitable investment, especially if it's already gone up quite a lot. So. That sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm very leery of anything that involves me having to know a password or I lose all my stuff. That, that kind of freaks me out a little bit. So. Well, at the same time, I mean, that's what we have with an online bank account. So yeah. the degree to whether the people pick the money or the governments pick the money, I, I guess we'll be finding out a lot about that in the next couple of years. But 
certainly making sure that it's something you can use and understand or at least taking the time to learn and evaluate a bit yourself. Although I would be cautious of, you know, if you're loading up on $20,000 Bitcoin to become rich, <laughs> I mean, it was easier when Bitcoin was a dollar. So keeping in mind that what is the amount that you think something is worth or at least making a base justification case. It's a lot easier for me to do that with silver, looking at it a variety of different ways. And that's why I lean more towards there for the things I target. If I were a coder, maybe I'd feel a bit differently about Bitcoin. And if you're in a community that's using it, then perhaps that's another factor, but certainly be prepared for some volatility. Absolutely. Well, Chris, what's the best place people can go to follow you, support you, check out your own show? How can I help you? Well, you can find us at ArcadiaEconomics.com. Keep people updated on the things going on in the economy, the silver market, how things are evolving with the central banks, and just trying to make it digestible so that you can get the general idea and not have to feel too overwhelmed with what's going on. There's certainly enough content in there that's a bit heavy to handle at times, but just simplifying things and giving people an honest assessment of what I see going on out there and pointing out some of the specific reasons why when you hear Joe Biden or Jerome Powell say something, it's not always as they say, and at least starting there where you understand what's going on and trying to make the whole process a bit easier for people. That sounds good. Well, if you'll stick around for about 30 seconds, I'll wrap things up and say goodbye to you at the end. All right. Thanks so much, John. Always good catching up with you. Always. Thank you so much. Oops. If you missed any of that, fear not. You can check it all out at the Anomic Age. AnomicAge.com will have the full video, the full audio of today's episode, and all those from the past as well. So please check them out there. As I always say, you can't do everything, but you can do something. So please try to get out there and do your part. Until next time, be safe out there, and I'll be seeing you sooner than later in the Anomic Age. Thank you for listening to The Anomic Age, a John Age project. For past shows, further info, and to comment, go to anomicage.com. That's A N O M I C A G E.com. Till next time, thank you for listening to The Anomic Age. I'm going to go to the next one.